truth is people have been shopping at markets for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So this is not a new way, it's a very, very old way to shop. This is the Modern Domestique Podcast, where each episode is dedicated to a different aspect of reviving home economics in a fun, modern, and practical way. I'm Stacey Keating, and in this episode, I'm chatting with the Executive Director of the Boulder County Farmers Markets, Brian Copham. We met up at the Seeds Cafe, which is located in my new favorite spot, the Boulder Public Library. Seeds was actually opened by the Boulder County Farmers Market in 2015, and it showcases local food and drink through an affordable, transparent, and seasonal menu. The cafe also aims to engage the public with local agriculture and to serve as a vibrant gathering space for the local food community. And you may actually hear some of the vibrant gathering happening in the background of our chat in this episode. My conversation with Brian revolved around a lot of different issues, but mostly about why farmers markets are important, how they relate to buying and cooking with intention, as well as details about upcoming events at the Boulder County Farmers Markets. A couple of things in this conversation that really inspired me were the idea of a food renaissance and some pretty killer date night ideas. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that you find this interview as exciting and inspirational as I did. So I'm really excited about this season's farmer's market um, for a lot of different reasons. I'm actually volunteering on a goat farm right now, so I'm even more exposed to... I don't know, the way that farms actually work and how much hard work actually goes into it because I've always been sort of a container gardening person because that's what I've had access to. And I've appreciated farmer's markets, absolutely. But um, yeah, now that I see more of the nitty gritty of it, I definitely have a greater appreciation of everything that goes into it. Um, and especially coming out of winter and everything in these first few farmers markets, like seeing a few little green things yes. and then also, you know, a lot of the root vegetables still kind of hanging out that were, you know, in root cellars or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about it. And I'd love to hear about, I don't know, plans for the farmers market, like events that are happening this year that you're excited about and stuff. Well, for, so at the Boulder Farmers Market, we'll have the chef demos again. Oh, great. Which is really something we're hoping to grow on because the idea is to get people to cook and realize that if you have good ingredients, it's really simple. You don't need to, you know, come up with incredible French sauces and these kinds of things or overly spice that all you need is some olive oil and salt and pepper and you're pretty much good to go. So the chef demos will be a real central part of the program. We did do uh, food festivals in Boulder last year, but we're not doing them this year. We're doing them in Longmont. Good to know. Yeah, and they're a ton of fun. We had like the radish festival where we had tastings and 10 different radishes, and then people voted for their favorite one. Oh, that's so exciting. Then we crowned the radish king or queen (laughs) with like this radish kind of halo. That's awesome. It was so much fun. And and we did that for kale, uh, which is the consummate green, right? And I'm amazed at how much kale I eat now. Yeah. It is like the single favorite thing that I just... everywhere, yeah. It it is. And I used to, when I cooked a long time ago when I was a kid in a restaurant, 
we always use kale as a garnish because, of course, it never wilted. Mm, you know, I didn't yeah. even know you could eat that stuff. It's so funny. My mother-in-law said the same thing. She's from Massachusetts, and she was saying that when she was growing up or even into her early adulthood, she would grow them as shrubs outside of her house yeah. because they were easy to grow and, like, survive the winter and everything. <laughs> but she was like, wait, you can eat these? <laughs> yeah. That's remarkable. And the number of different kale varieties and, you know, to have them all side by side yeah. and be able to see, oh, this one has a tender texture when it's raw, but this one has a little more powerful flavor. And so this is good for salads and this one's good for saute. Yeah. It's really wonderful. But in Boulder, there's so many people that festival tends to get lost in just the regular activity. Yeah. And in Longmont, we have more families that shop and really have this kind of food focus. That's very cool. So it's a really wonderful fit yeah. for Longmont. And the kids have a blast. We had a pepper festival where we had a pinata. <laughs> which, it was so funny because one of the customers, the kids are lined up. We've got this pinata that we made ourselves and it's a big pepper and we filled it with uh, Market bucks and coupons for things. Oh, and cool. And market bucks are things that are specifically, you can buy them and only use them at the farmer's market, Correct. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so we didn't have any like Snickers bars or anything like that in there, but tried to be thoughtful about what we put in. Yeah. And there was a guy behind me with his kid, and his son wanted to do the pinata, and he said, We're getting out of here. Nothing good ever happens around a pinata. <laughs> and. I, That's so funny. I thought, well, you know, I know he's right. You have to be careful. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, the kids just keep crowding in. And one of them had, you know, the blindfold and was all turned around and just, like, oh. was totally wound up, ready to go. And looking, I mean, facing, like, three other children. Yeah. And the other kids are just kind of wide-eyed <laughs> looking in the... My, one of my staff came over and grabbed the baton oh, before he good. could swing oh, it. Oh, good. <laughs> it's, it's always just interesting to yeah. experience yeah, for sure. everything in such a raw state. You yeah, know? yeah. But it, it's fun. It's That's fun. Cool. It's such a great crowd. And you have a lot of kids' events that happen at the Wednesday Boulder's Farmer's Market, right? We do. We Last year we had kids' events specifically at Wednesday because it's a little more open. Mm -hmm. This year... We won't be focusing as much on the kids' events, although we will have the pop-up produce program. And that's really cool because if the kids taste two different, if they take two bites of some fresh vegetable, mm -hmm. they get $5 to spend at the market. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so I was pushing my son to do it, you know, like go through multiple times. <laughs> do it again, do it again. Yeah, they're, they're pretty savvy to that. It didn't get far. That's uh, funny. But it, that's, I think, such a great way to introduce kids to things because they don't realize that when something is that fresh and it's field ripened and it's hand picked and it's grown in soil that's really rich, that it actually tastes good. Yeah. You know, I think kids often react to the vegetables that they're presented with, which are either out of a can or they're frozen or they're the industrial farmed that don't have that nuance yeah, to what they get on their plate. Yeah, it's so true. It's a lot of kind of weird texture with no fun flavor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's just, there's not the, you know, you think of all the micronutrients in the soil and all of the chemicals in the soil that contribute to flavor. Mm -hmm. And you don't have that if you're just pumping nitrogen into the soil. I know I've heard the arguments that from a 
scientific standpoint, there's no difference, and yet we can taste the difference. Yeah, and I'm sure our body chemically can sense the difference as well. I would think so. I, I just know that when I buy local, I first I love what I'm eating because it just tastes really great, but also it has so much more meaning to me that it actually nourishes me not just on a physical level, but that level of me that interacts with the community. Yeah. And that's what I find so valuable about it. And, and that's why the kids' programs, I think, are helpful. Mm -hmm. Because what we want to do is normalize market shopping. We want to normalize buying from a local farmer yeah. rather than having it be the exception. And I think as much as our kids can kind of be indoctrinated into that idea and just look at it from an experiential level rather than having to articulate the intellectual components of why it's good, mm -hmm. when they come and have fun and see their friends and taste something that really tastes great, then they're going to be part of it because they just they resonate with what's happening at the yeah. market. Yeah, and they can talk to the different farmers or farmers representatives who are at the market who can right. tell them like, oh, we planted this four months yeah. ago or whatever, and then, you know, like pique the kids' interest through that as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the farmers are heroes yeah. in many ways, and they should be. Yeah. The uh, Boulder Valley School District does a really great program where they have these farmer cards. They're like trading cards for farmers. Oh, that's so funny. It's, it's awesome. And so they have the local uh, the farmer and some stats about the farm, how many acres, and what they grow in their cropping system. That's very cool. And then once a year, so they give them out at various events in the schools, and then once a year we do a BBSD at the market where the kids can come down and either bring their cards or pick cards up there and get them signed. So the farmers that are getting That's autographs, so cool. it's, it's hilarious, <laughs> so much fun. And you guys are also sort of involved in the Boulder Valley School District as well in different areas maybe. I saw on Instagram the other day something about a cooking, uh, like a cook-off using right. farmer's market vegetables. Right. at the high school here? Yeah, Casey Middle School, they had the Iron Chef competition. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought so. that was really great. Another way to like yeah. not only introduce kids to the new vegetables and local farmers, but also get them thinking about cooking them and how to eat them. Right, right, and it was very cool. It's amazing, these kids are seventh graders. Wow. And uh, the winner was a chicken piccata with a handmade pasta wow. that they have an hour to do. Uh, and they tabled, so we had maybe, I'm going to say 20 judges. And so they had to make it and then serve and talk about the dish. That's so cool. It's incredible. And the piccata was spot on. Wow. It was really, really good. And what impressed me was I'm a big fan of broccoli. And they had broccoli on the plate, and it was perfectly cooked. That's not easy. It's not. If you're doing a bunch of different things, especially, yeah. Yeah, I still don't perfectly cook. <laughs> My broccoli. <laughs> no, I do no. maybe one out of every ten times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I'm just so happy. It's broccoli. Yeah, I don't, but yeah. this was perfect. It was. Wow. It wasn't overcooked. It wasn't. It was just right. And then one team did a interpretation of nachos with a Greek theme. Whoa! So it was Greek nachos, and so it was like these uh, pita chips that they did with uh, some seasoned chicken and a drizzle on it wow. and some fresh cucumber. It was really... Some feta too, that sounds really good. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. I mean, it, it's really incredible. You know, if we allow our kids, give them room, 
it's amazing what they can do. Yeah, it's so true. And give them um, sort of the tools that they may need to yes. to learn that and, and see what's in season and what's local is yeah. really interesting too. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I feel like the biggest single advantage of local agriculture is that it, it really ties us together as a community. Mm. That there's something about food that is uniting yeah. in its own way or grounding in its own way. And I've been I think about this a lot, this you know, you have light and heat from the sun mm -hmm. and then we live on this ball of dirt. Yeah. And the sun meets this ball of dirt and it manifests in this these like pockets of energy yeah. in, that are our food. Yeah. You know, whether it's carrots or it's lettuce or grain, whatever it is, and then we live, that's we remove that pocket of energy and ingest it and it becomes part of us. Our energy, yeah. Right. Yeah, you really are what you eat. I think what he's saying here is so important because it gets right to the nitty gritty of the fact that our body actually takes the food we put in and turns it into not only energy for us to survive off of, but also actually turns it into the cells that make up our whole body. This energy that he's talking about sustains us on a cellular level, which is such a powerful argument for eating locally and seasonally. And for millions of years, we've had a connection, a real clear connection to that cycle. Yeah. Except the last 150 years, you know, General Mills and PepsiCo and Kraft and Nabisco and Nestle and, you know, the manifestations that have happened over those years have all told us, don't worry about it. Yeah. We got your back. You get your hamburger helper. Yeah. And you don't, the food system is not anything you need to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And even my mom actually has a master's degree in home economics. Oh, wow. Which is kind of funny because when I was in seventh grade, I was known as the person in the house to burn water. So I definitely <laughs> picked it up pretty late. But... Um, she has a master's degree in home economics and when she was going through her master's program she would say that like everything even within home economics was geared towards do it quicker and do it easier so it was all yes. of the like boxed things and like the corporations coming in saying oh these are great tools to save you time without right. like talking about the nutritional deficiencies that were happening right. And, right you know the lack of connection to like the kitchen and yeah. you know all that stuff because it's like spend as little time as possible in there so you can do other things which you know, you can't spend all day in the kitchen every day because everybody's busy now, but right. there's definitely something to be said about being intentional with where you're getting your food and how you're preparing it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it's not just even connecting us with food, it's connecting us with each other. Yeah. That, you know, you think about why do we have dinner parties and why do people end up in the kitchen mm -hmm. at parties? Yeah. And why is it we're having coffee together right now? Yeah. And I think there's a big part about food nourishes us, and when we're nourished, we feel safe, and when we're safe, we're open with one another, and we're more willing to not be defensive yeah, and so share a little bit more. And I, you may have heard me cite the Harvard Business Review study no. before that they found that negotiations that happen over a meal are 12% more profitable for both parties. That's so interesting. And it's part of that, because a true negotiation involves vulnerability, because mm -hmm. you have to tell somebody what you need. Yeah. And 
when food is involved, people tend to be more open with one another rather than afraid that they're going to get fleeced. Yeah, wow, that's so true. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, even if you look at celebrations like birthdays or yeah. holidays or weddings and things like that, it, it definitely like ends up revolving around the meal that's served yeah. or the cake that's served. Like it's, you, I think historically we've served special foods especially. Mm-hmm. as a celebration to bring everyone together and right. celebrate something spectacular that's happening. You're yeah. absolutely right. I can't actually think of a holiday or an event that we celebrate that doesn't involve food. Yeah. And, you know, you think even in, not even, but in religion, of course, mm-hmm. food is a central part of rituals and events and the way yeah. that they're recorded and the way that people eat yeah, because so of their true. religious ideas. Yeah. So it's very deep. I mean, the thread to food runs incredibly deep. And we've just been conditioned to think that it doesn't matter. And there's been plenty of work that shows that when we do have that connection as a community, we're a happier and more productive community. Yeah, yeah. And even walking around the farmer's market here, even if it's snowing out, which it's predicted to this weekend, but even if it's snowing out, everybody's still walking around so happy. Like you just look around and everyone's walking around with smiles on their faces, like underneath, you know, like how much snow. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, because it it brings out the joy in you and and the connection. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether the person next to you is a Democrat or a Republican or or a vegan or a paleo or yeah you're in the same space kind of enjoying the same thread of connection yeah it's so true and it's very powerful it is yeah and it's especially in the summertime for the first few years that my husband and I lived here in Boulder we only had one car so I rode my bike everywhere Um, and it was perfect because I couldn't the farmer's market was perfect because I couldn't make it to local farms because it was just a bit too far out of the city center but I could definitely make it to the farmer's market every Wednesday and every yeah, Saturday, nice, you know? Nice. <laughs> um, yes. And it, it not only got my legs really strong, but also fostered that, like, I really want to make it there because this is where I get my fresh food for the week, right. you know, or for the next few days, and then I can preserve what's left over. And, um, yeah. yeah, take that summertime with me into the, <laughs> the yeah. cold winter months, yeah. Which really kind of brings us to this idea of seasonality. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I've learned which I'm sure many people have known before me, is that, like the saying goes, I can't miss you if you're never gone. Yeah. There's something that's really kind of luxurious about waiting for a crop to come in. That's true. And, you know, like this winter, we were just, my wife and I are like, man, we need greens. I, you know, where are the greens? <laughs> I want so the greens. I'm so I know, I know. Oh, another root vegetable. But then again, at the end of the green season, we feel the same way about greens in some way. But I love that anticipation. And when we got our hands on the first greens that before the market opened, some of the market, the farm stands were already open. When we got our hands on those, it was... It was like, yes. So sweet. Yeah. 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 And I think there's also something to be said about, you know, that, that brings me back to the energy that you were talking about earlier. And I mean, the earth is providing what is needed for that season, right? right. So if, if we're looking for strawberries in the middle of winter, you know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a luxury in its own way, but it's also yeah. maybe not what your body needs to survive the winter in a nutritional and healthy right. way. Right. Right, and and it's uh, it takes the fun 
out of having something when you can always have it. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, strawberries, whatever. Yeah. I can eat them whenever I want. Yeah. But that's, you know, people hear the, the market attendance increases by 30% when fruit comes into season. Yeah. Because everybody goes crazy for the peaches and then the apples yeah. and the cherries. And we, I just love that time of year because I'm eating as much fruit as I possibly can because I know it's going to go away. Yeah. And even if it's preserved, it's a different flavor. It's yes. nothing like the fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really such a cool way to participate in the natural systems. Yeah. That I try to tell people when we have these discussions, you know, there's not an easier way to be part of the natural system yeah. than eating locally. Yeah. And it's delicious. It's not like going to the gym. It's not hard work. Yeah. It's not sacrifice. <laughs> you don't have to pre-plan it too much. Yeah. yeah. You don't require discipline to yeah. do it. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's really a wonderful, positive experience every yeah. time. Yeah, it really is. And, and it, it just keeps me bringing me back to the community aspect, too, because, you know, what? It, like, I didn't know anyone when I moved here, but, you know, yet, like, through the farmer's market, I've met so many people, and um, you know, have fostered friendships. I had a birthday picnic on Saturday there before I went to work, um, you know, with pastries and coffee from the farmer's yeah. market, you know. Yeah. And it's just a great meeting spot to not only foster existing friendships, but also meet like-minded people, I guess. Or, yes. or even not like-minded people, but with the commonality of loving food. <laughs> yeah, right, right, which yeah. is a huge commonality. Yeah. And what I have found is that the farmer's market is an exercise in niche marketing. So when I end up at that farm stand that I regularly shop at, I have found I often share my value set with the other person that's there. Interesting. Because people gravitate towards certain farmers because they resonate with the farmer as well yeah. with what they grow. It's, there's so much of that that's not just a transactional environment. Yeah, it's not it's just, true. okay, well, what's the price? Okay, I'll get it here. There's something about the way we resonate with the people who put all that intention into what they grow. It's true, yeah. And so it's, I often find that the people that are buying from that same stand were kind of like-minded already in That's some so ways. Yeah. yeah, and I love going to the farmer's market and talking to different farmers about their produce that they're um, that they're providing that week. Yeah. Um, I, last year I was at Aspen Moon and they had fresh fava beans and I had never done anything with fava beans so yeah. I was like oh that's interesting and like was gonna skip over it but then yeah. one of the people at the stand were like oh this is really great cooked this way or grilled this way or done this yeah. way and I was like wait what? You know? Yeah, exactly. And then in the summer after that I went and visited some friends in France and my friend was like oh fava beans you gotta chuck them and you know like do all this stuff to them I was like no I learned this new thing from my farmer's market and she was like mind blown because you can like yeah. leave the skins on and you yet eat them, them. And, yeah exactly yeah. And it's such a great way and, and that translated you know even in France you know something from the Boulder yes. farmer's market which I yeah. thought was really great it is yeah. I mean, and to think that there's so much of that simplicity that's lost yeah. when we don't have access to some of that knowledge yeah, so about true. the food. Yeah. It, it really is wonderful. For, it's wonderful for so many reasons. I just, I really want more people to understand that yeah. and be able to participate in it. Yeah, it's true, because I think a lot of people maybe think of farmer's market as like this, I don't know, this sort of expensive 
place where you go and like buy a couple things maybe or just look around and you know it's all the hippies buying their stuff there or whatever right um, when really it, it should be about the community and about getting to know your farmers yeah and learning right. about what's local and stuff like that right yeah. I, I do think the markets have a well, a very much what we call a baskets and bonnets reputation mm -hmm. that it's a kind of a cute shopping experience and you know it's an elitist affair that kind of thing uh, and the truth is people have been shopping at markets for thousands and thousands and thousands of years so this is not a new way it's a very very old way to shop and the prices a the biggest complaint we hear is prices. The prices are so high. And my typical response to that is if you take a tomato or a piece of produce that was grown in another country where somebody's getting paid a dollar an hour and environmental controls are significantly lower and they're living 40 to a room in a bunkhouse, that's going to be a little bit cheaper than growing the same thing in Boulder County, paying a reasonable wage, meeting all the environmental standards, and having the cost of living in Boulder County, or most of the U.S. for that matter. Yeah, it's true. But it's selected with intention, the variety, and it's grown with intention, and it is field-ripened and hand-picked, and often hand-weeded, so they're not using pesticides and herbicides. At least for many of the farmers, that's true. Yeah. So it's a it, it's a totally different ballgame. Yeah, and you can taste and feel the difference. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to Whole Foods or something, it's really no different. The price point, anyways. Correct, and in fact, for certain kinds of vegetables, most of the studies are done with conventional, conventionally grown vegetables. Yeah. The farmers market are as inexpensive or less than supermarkets so it, it's just the comparisons we have are really tend to be I would say unfair or irrational yeah. that you you can't get this for that it's true yeah and it's kind of like the MasterCard commercial you know like priceless like tasting your food is kind of a priceless experience exactly. You know, exactly. like having that perfectly ripe tomato that has yeah. all of those bursting flavors is kind of a priceless experience. And the experience of sharing that with your family or friends, like, taste this amazing thing, yeah. is pretty priceless as well. It is. And that's one of the things I think that's so cool about home ec yeah. and the idea of teaching people to cook and even the other activities that are involved in home ec. The, the ability to actually provide for people we care about, mm -hmm. whether they're our friends or they're our family, our co-workers, yeah. it's really powerful it really to is. be able to cook something or fix something, uh, to be functional in a way that, that supports people is really, really cool. Yeah, and to have a community of people that support each other because yeah. the, the goat farm that I'm volunteering on, you know, she'll be there, you know, we have 26 baby goats right now and like, I don't know, a handful of volunteers and this one lady at her house. Yeah. And the other day she was like, sometimes I just wonder, why am I doing this? And then I realized it's because I want to provide a really great product for my community. Yes. Which is, I think, there's something to be said for that as well. And that kind of relates to home economics in the way that you don't have to be a goat farmer to be able to foster a community right. that supports that idea. Right. 
The ability to provide is really a powerful thing, and having a community that honors that can be even more powerful than that. Brian actually started talking about this point a little more here, but technology snafus happened, and unfortunately what he was saying got lost, but I really wanted to convey his sentiment because it was really inspiring to me. He talked about how important it is for us to support our local farmers and ranchers in the same way that we support other needs that our community has. For instance, someone who works at a water treatment plant that provides your community with water gets paid a salary. No matter what happens with the weather, be it a drought or a flood or just a normal day, that person gets paid their salary each paycheck. But it's not the same with farmers and ranchers. If they have a bad season or a bad year, they're pretty much on their own. CSAs are a start to helping to mitigate that risk that farmers and ranchers take, but it's just a really small start. And maybe we need to start looking at bigger solutions to this issue. Yeah, so the idea, the original idea with the CSA is we all share risk. Yeah. I buy a share of the farm, and if the farm does well that year, I get abundance, and if it doesn't do well, I get very little. The reality of having to satisfy consumers and keep customers is we're doing calculations. I've got 20, uh, 20 weeks of CSA. I paid $500, so that is $25 a week. And people expect $25 a week of produce. And so when the farmers have a bad year, they're actually buying produce from other nearby farmers to make up for it so that they don't lose their customers. There really isn't that shared spirit as a community of risk. Yeah, it's true. And, and that's not, to me, really supporting the farmer no. as much as they should be supported. I, I agree. I think it's the CSAs do provide a very valuable function in as far as they, the farmers get cash early mm-hmm. when they need it because they're spending so much at this time of year or even a month earlier yeah. on seed and inputs and they're paying labor. Yeah. And it'll be you know, weeks before they start to get a return on that, if not months. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice they get that cash flow early, but I think as a community, when we say we support agriculture, local agriculture, that may mean that, yes, I go to the market and I buy, and I love that. Personally, I, I hope that many, many people continue to do that and more yeah. do. And I think we also have opportunities to think beyond just that transactional environment and think about how, how could we really create a community asset where the farmers thrive as we thrive. Yeah. And it's not up to, you know, if there's hail, too bad. Yeah. If there's an early frost or a late frost, too bad. Yeah. You know, you're on your own. I can get my food somewhere else. Yeah. And actually support that system in a meaningful way. Uh, and maybe that's through facilities, infrastructure that the farmers can use. Uh, storage that the community funds in some way that, yeah. that is then rented back to the farmers, but it's a community investment. It's such an interesting point. And I know that a lot of the open space around here is used as farmland. Well, maybe not a lot, but a bit mm-hmm. at least is, is used as farmland. Is any of that used for Boulder County? Do you know? I don't really know anything about that. There's, I think, 25,000 acres of ag land in Boulder County open space. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is leased to a lot of our market farmers are on open space land. Mm-hmm. And then there are the commodity farms who 
they're, they probably farm 80% of that open space land that is farmed. Yeah. Uh, so that's a huge asset. And the, the thing that the county did besides the open space program that was, I think, brilliant is they tied the water to the land. Oh, wow. So, because in Colorado, water is a severable right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they kept the water rights with the land rights. So when a, when a farmer leases a piece of land, it automatically comes with water. And that means that farmers here can actually grow on local lands, even though if they were on the private market, they would, it cost them millions to purchase that piece of property. There's no way they could do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I, I think it's an awesome, awesome program. Yeah. And I think the county is moving towards providing a lot more support than just the land, mm. now that some of these issues are understood with, and the interest in local food system is so much greater than it yeah. used to be. Yeah, it's so true. I, I, I feel like we are on the edge of a agricultural renaissance in many ways. That would be really cool. It would be. And, it, you know, maybe we are, maybe we aren't. But it seems like things are really kind of moving this direction of not wanting our food to be a mystery process anymore. Yeah. And learning more about, like, soil health and, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that lots of farmers have known about that, but I don't think... You know, the general person knows too much about that. Right. Um, and, and hasn't known too much about it until maybe recently. Right, right. Yeah. And in fact, many farmers haven't really known about it. Biodynamic farming has been around for a hundred some years. Yeah. But outside of that, the science of agriculture has really pushed that you can pump chemical inputs into the soil, mm. namely nitrogen. Yeah and that'll cause plants to grow. Yeah. And that's really all you need. And I think the understanding of soil as an ecosystem is much, much greater now yeah. than yeah. it used to be. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and I think you can even compare the human body to that because you can't just take vitamin C supplements and live, you know? Yes. Like, like yeah. yeah, sure, it'll, it'll help, I guess, but like yeah. you need all the other micronutrients and minerals and vitamins right. Right. to be able to live a healthy life. And if you take that one step further and look at the human biome, that we're host to trillions of different that we organisms. Know of. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like 10 times the, the biome in our body has 10 times more DNA yeah. than our own, than our actual body. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a lot. And in the same way, the soil has this biome that is incredibly vital and in good soil it's flourishing and it's numerous and and in bad soil it's dead yeah and you know that i think has an impact i mean i don't have the studies to show it but just intuitively it kind of makes sense yeah and i think that's a big part that's missing from i don't know eating today i guess is is intuitiveness and like yeah. like listening to your body you know rather right. than just being like oh this you know, pizza tastes good, which yes, pizza does taste good, but, but also like waking up and thinking like, what am I craving today? What is my right. body craving today? Rather than just eating whatever's in front of you. Right. Um, and I think that if people really did that, they would realize how seasonal our bodies really are. Yeah. And yeah. which is a big sort of like vote for the farmer's market because um, they're providing what your body is craving at that right. time of year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right. It's fascinating at the market that when it's hot out, so in early market months like this where it's a little cooler, you'll see a lot of sales of baked goods, uh, you know, stewy proteins, things like that, yeah. that are kind of, they comfort us for some reason. 
and then when it's hot out, those sales drop, particularly like the baked goods, sugary things, because we want something with water in it and that has more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's <laughs> like this kind of fresh, light, refreshing thing that we want. And you know, the you can see the farm sales go up quite a bit. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is based on what our bodies are craving at the time, yeah. uh, outside of chocolate. Well, right, because yeah. that's just sort of all the time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. It's the one universal food. It has yeah. no season. <laughs> chocolate and coffee. Yeah. Um, so, back to the farmer's market, there are booths of prepared foods, um, hot foods, and prepared baked goods yes. um, at all of the farmer's markets, because there's Boulder County, well, Boulder, Longmont, and then one in Denver as well, Yeah, right? we're opening the one in Denver this year. So they'll all be the same. We have three vendor types. There's producers, which are farmers and ranchers. Mm -hmm. There are... Uh, packaged goods, which will be things like the baked goods, anything that's that's made off-site, packaged and brought to the market for sale. Be like tamales. Uh, tamales are prepared, but prepared. It, it would be more like salsas, hot sauce, granolas, chips, maybe. granolas, like that, yeah. exactly. You buy it in a bag, pasta, you take it home. Okay. And then the third category is prepared. And that'll be the things that are actually fixed on site. And you're you're right. The, a lot of the stuff will be prepared off site <laughs> and brought like tamales. And you know you have pretty limited space at the market. Yeah. But it, when you think about even the tamales, they're they're in a steam container, hot. True. Then they're brought out and they're finished with the sauce and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that would be prepared. So organic sandwich company would be prepared, or Orange Tent, or Laticios. Yeah. Uh, so we do the same thing at all three markets. What's different is the percentage mix of oh. each. So in Boulder, if you look at our our linear footage, mm -hmm. about sixty percent of that is devoted to farmers and ranchers. Mm -hmm. And then the other 40% is split between packaged and prepared. Packaged taking a little bit more of that. They probably have about 40%, probably 25% is packaged. The rest is prepared. Mm -hmm. At Denver Union Station, we're limited in space. We only have room for 40 vendors versus oh, wow. the near... We almost have 100 here. So... In Denver Union Station, out of the 40 vendors, 25 will be producers, farmers and ranchers. And so they will take almost 70% of the space available. And then we have the rest being packaged with, with just one or two prepared foods. Because Union Station is right there. We want to support the restaurants there yeah. as much as they want to support us. Makes sense. And what's cool about that is the packaged goods are all culinary focused. So it's what do you need to go home and prepare this fresh food to make a meal? You know, olive oil, seasoning, spices, uh, bread, um, you know, the, the things that would make up a meal. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. A few of the sauces, things like that, mm -hmm. sauces. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's really great. Even at the mushroom stand, they have sort of like a prepared little mushroom blend yeah. that you can, like yeah, a spice blend but of mushrooms. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, that exactly. you can um, take home, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, I, I hope that things continue to move that way because ideally what we really, we support local agriculture and with 
producers and prepared, we have the most opportunity to do that. Producers are obvious, you know, we want them to sell a lot and people to engage. And with prepared, we're moving towards having more and more of our vendors using local product. So this year at Boulder County Farmers Market, the Boulder Farmers Market, you'll see Zeal, which is great with their local sourcing, Cafe Aeon, and then Seeds. Uh, all of whom, and so Organic Sandwich Company is wonderful with their organic, uh, their local sourcing. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to get more of the vendors to really tie into, oh, well, I want to reflect that same mission. Yeah, and that ties into the chef series that the farmers market yes. is holding too, right? Exactly, um, exactly. Which I think is such a great idea, like a professional chef coming in and being like, look at all these ingredients that I got right here yeah. that you can make this crazy meal with. Right, yeah. and all you have to do is chop it like this and a little bit bit of that and in 10 minutes you have this great dish. Yeah, that you might not have thought of just by passing right. by all these radishes or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. And did you know, have you ever had braised radishes? I just saw something about that th this week, actually. I was like, whoa, what? Yeah, that, that was my reaction to the first time I saw yeah. the, a recipe for it. Yeah. And th it is delicious. It looks really good. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. It takes a little bit of the heat out of the radish, and so there's a little more sweetness oh, in man. it. And it's just a wonderful texture. You know, I, I always thought red radishes were just, you just chopped them up in a salad. Yeah, and, and you just eat them, like, with, I don't know, a, a dip or something. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, that was my reaction, too. I was like, you can cook radishes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing a, a recipe from Jeff Smith, the frugal cook oh, yeah. uh -huh. for lettuce soup. I have seen... Yeah, something yeah. like that before. I haven't yeah. tried it. I but. haven't either because it just doesn't sound good, but it's also one. I'll bet it's delicious. Oh, uh, yeah, you know? I'm sure it is. Maybe I'll have to try that on the blog. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me. Out. I'll look for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. So the farmer's market's open Saturday at all locations and then Wednesday as well here in Boulder starting in May. Starting in May. First Wednesday in May. Wednesday market will be open. At this point, it's still from 4 to 8, okay. although we are exploring and shifting the hours a little bit because there's when people pick up the kids from school, I think it'd be convenient for them to just come, come straight, straight to the straight. market yeah. rather than have that time in between where then they end up at home and they don't leave the house again. Yeah. So we may start as early as 3 o'clock. We're, we're figuring out whether we can do that or not, but definitely 4 to 8. The beer garden will be there. Our local brewers will be represented. One of my favorite parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and we're, this year I hope we tie in agriculture a little bit closer with the beer and wine garden. Yeah, that would be great. And, you know, whether that's having samples there when you buy a beer or some kind of incentive. Because in so many ways the craft brewing industry is running directly parallel to the local food industry. Yeah. You know, you could grab a Coors or you can go to this brew pub where you've got a brewer that's making very intentional choices about their ingredients and how they're brewing and their recipes and why they're buying from this place yep. and then delivering that as a premium product and our local growers are doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. So we want to be able to tie that together and really show people that this is all about this kind of experiential luxury in life. It doesn't have to be a financial luxury but an experiential luxury yeah. that we can have. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Like a way to enrich our lives Absolutely. in a very simple way. In a very simple and meaningful and intentional way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. which I think is 
is really great and something that I have really enjoyed about the farmer's market yeah. so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I, I tell when I ever, on those few opportunities that, you know, I run into like my oldest daughter's friends who taking somebody out on a date or something like that. I always say, bring them to the farmer's market. It's such a better date than going to a restaurant and proving that you can spend a lot of money. It's so true. Prove that you know something about produce. That's yeah. pretty sexy. Yeah, oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and go a week earlier and, and talk to the farmer so he knows Get your name tips. and then yeah. kind of drop his name and be like, Hey Jason, what's up? Man, I really like that kale. Well, you know, you're right on spot on about that. Yeah, and, yeah, that's yeah. so funny. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Look like a man in with in the know. Yeah, right? or a lady in the know. Yeah, yeah for right. sure. Yeah, and there's all the prepared foods there too, so you can yeah. like sit down and have a meal together. Yes, exactly. Grab a beer, have a meal, yeah. chat, but connect with the farmers. Yeah, connect with each other and the local system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be a yeah. renaissance person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I really look forward to everything that the farmer's market's going to be offering this year. Um, I actually, last year, just sort of a side note, there was a grant that was given, I think, to the farmer's market um, to do a flower giveaway. Oh, yes, um, yes It yes. was called Make Someone's Day, and, yeah. you know, just giving away flowers, and I was actually the first person in line, so my oh, photo no was the one in the newspaper, actually. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and it, it totally turned my experience of Boulder around, because um, oh, up until great. that point, I didn't really know anybody, and, you know, I was just yeah. kind of like going day by day on my own, but yeah. I mean, that really turned my day around by like grabbing a bunch of flowers, going around yeah. and giving it to just people waiting at bus stops and seeing yeah. expressions on their face. Oh, yeah, awesome. it really carried me through like the rest of, yeah. <laughs> of that year, just like, yes, that's such oh, a great so memory. Cool. Yeah, so I really look forward to everything, um, it, the multitude of things, I guess, that the farmer's yeah. market Thank is you. providing this community. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, we're looking forward to having you there. <laughs> and we will do the flower giveaway again, so. Yes, I will we'll definitely come and volunteer for that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you again so much, Brian. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank Stacy. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Modern Domestique podcast, and a big thanks to Brian for the conversation today. To learn more about the farmer's market and Seeds Cafe, head over to the Modern Domestique website for links and more information. If you like the podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And please make sure to leave a rating or review so that other people can find this podcast too. As always, I'd love to hear your takeaways from today's episode. So please make sure to stay in touch on the website, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in and have a very modern domestic day.